Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, March 26, 2015. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book, and we will begin reading on page 64, the second paragraph, beginning with, we did exactly the same thing. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Janice M., 12 Traditions, Irini. Our readers will be Rachel N. M., Angela D., and Elaine B. The share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, March 25th, 2015, is 7420. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice M. to read the OA 12 Steps. Well, good morning to you, Sally, and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. These are the 12 Steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven humbly asked him, to remove our shortcomings. Eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Janice. And Irini, 
I will now ask Irini M. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Sally, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I'm a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 64, paragraph two, beginning with, we did exactly the same thing. I will ask Rachel N.M. 
to get us started with one paragraph ending with, we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Rachel? Yes. Did you want me to start with, we did exactly the same things? Yes, I do. Yes, we did exactly the same thing. Go ahead, Rachel. Good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. Well, this is what I did. I took stock honestly. It was the first time in my life that I had done that. I had often taken stock of my own life. I had tried to, but I always either didn't want to look at certain parts or I tried to make myself look worse than I was so I'd be really sorry. Um, I had never taken stock honestly, but the promise on page 58, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path gave me courage to do this, and it has completely changed my life. It is, I would say it saved my life because now whatever I'm working through, I actually know how to be honest, and that is a beautiful gift from God. And uh, it has saved me from my obsession with food, and it has really helped me in many areas of my life. And I'm very thankful for that. I pass. Thank you, Rachel. Would anyone? That was Rachel N M. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? Yes, Bella. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on this paragraph? Okay, Bella, go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G. And I am a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you for doing this service. Thank you, Sally. I'm sorry. For doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. We took stock honestly. Wow, honestly. Before the program, I didn't, I didn't know what really means honestly. I saw that I am honest, but I, am, I, I was directed by my ego. Yes, I wasn't honest all the time. I was, I was very much afraid. I was very much afraid to be blamed, to be judged. Yes, I had so many fears. Thank you, God, that now that I am in the program, yes, I know what means honestly. Yes, and this honest came through through my work doing the step. Yes, I learned to be connected to a higher power, to a loving power. Yes, it's, it's a freedom feeling to feel that I want to do God's message and not my ego message. Yes, now I am ready to, to meet myself, to know myself, to know that I, I am not perfect, I will never be perfect, and nobody is perfect. Yes, I don't, I am not in competition with nobody. Yes, I want to know myself. I, to, I want to know my 
character defect and to work on them, to work with them. Yes, it's, it's to, to be honest with myself, to accept myself the way I am. Yes, it was the first time in my life that I, I looked at my past, I looked at my wrongs without fear. It was with acceptance. Okay, now God, please help me to do better one day at a time. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Leah. Leah, anyone else before we move on to the next paragraph? Chrissy M. Chrissy M. Okay. Leah, and then Chrissy. Irini. And then Vasa and Irini. Okay. Let's go. Lonnie B. Lonnie B. Okay, Leah. I'm sorry, what? Who was that? Okay. Leah, then Chrissy, then Vasa, then Irini, then Lonnie B. Leah, go ahead. Leah Thank you, Sally. Yes. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, everyone. Uh, this paragraph is so um, is so uh, touching for me because um, I thought the first time when I did my first step that um, that I have to take stock of everyone else that was in in my life and take their inventory and tell you exactly what happened with me while taking their inventory but this program is about myself it's not about anyone else it's about myself and my role in situations and facts and um, whatever else is going on and that's all it is It's, it's just putting it down the first step just putting down the fact of how I took part in whatever else is going on with my inventory. And thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Leah S. Chrissy M. Hi, I'm Chrissy M. Recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. Um, I was thinking about self and how it manifests this morning because of a question that was posed to me in a different way when doing my my 10 steps. And I didn't think of this when I was doing my fourth step. The dishonesty in, have I been dishonest in what ways? I, I now can see with clarity that that answer is always yes because of my, the whole story that I made up around why I did what I did, why I needed to do what I needed to do. Um, it was all it was all dishonest because it was based on a very limited belief system of what I thought life should be. That's why the set aside prayer so has been so important for me to set aside my old beliefs. And then to to truly take stock about what's real and what's not. And just really quickly, you know, in relationship, I could very easily expect people to do 
certain things because that's the rule, that's the script. You know, a husband's supposed to behave in this way. And if he doesn't, he's, of course he's wrong. He's convicted. That's it. You know, it's put him up on trial and, and never to look at, never to look at my false belief system and to question that. And what a miracle, only by the grace of God has my, the lens been shifted to focus in on my wrong beliefs. And this way I don't set myself up in the future to be hurt. What a miracle. That's all I have. And I'll pass. Thanks, Chrissy. And, and Vasa O, it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I'm grateful to be here with all of you. And this is really, really... Uh, okay, I'm Vasa O, Recover Compulsive Overeater, calling from Florida. And this was a very, very important step for me to take, but I was really afraid and again, you know, I it was you know I had a lot of secrets, you know, and I, with some of those secrets, I would have died, you know, and I would have brought them with me because of the fear, you know, I was going to be judged or criticized or, or ashamed. So, but it was very very important. It was it says it this it I had fear. I was fearless. I was not terrified with fear to stop me from doing it because I already had taken step one, two, and three. So I kept on going to God, please give me the strength, give me me the courage, give me the wisdom that I don't have, you know, and show me what you want me me to see in in the fourth step. But I want to go back in a little bit on how it works. And, I mean, we read this every time we go, how the program works. Really, have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women, who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And for me, I needed to be honest. I needed to be focused on the honesty. And it says, there are such unfortunates, they, they are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. And that was the thing for me. That was the key. I needed to be honest uh, with everything, with my food and everything in my life, although at the beginning I did point the fingers, you know, what happened to me as growing up in an alcoholic and how that, you know, it, you know, there was a lot of damage done in the family. So I needed to look at that first, and that's where God led me at that time, and then I did it differently by the book, the way it's laid out here, too. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Irini. Thank you, Sally, for your service. Good morning, once again, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I'm a very, very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I thank God for that. Um, honesty, yeah. It, well, if I wasn't honest, that I wouldn't believe. Um, if I wasn't honest, then I wouldn't believe in the lies, you know, it, it's it's 
if I'm not being honest, then my illusions, you know, start to, to develop. They start to live, and this is how I end up living in stories that I'm creating in my mind instead of living in the truth, instead of re, re, living in, the, in reality, instead of living in the present. So being honest is, you know, a way of getting closer to God. If I'm living in my lies, then I'm pushing God away from me, and it's, uh, it's all about doing the right thing. Now, what kind of actions and behaviors am I doing that are re- reflecting my life What's consuming my thoughts? What am I focusing on? You know, when I'm trying to justify an action, then I'm really denying the truth. And um, my my actions need to be aligned with God. So I can't change if I can't acknowledge what the truth is. You know, that would stifle my growth in the light of the Spirit. And hiding in any addiction, whether it's shopping or chewing gum or my negative thoughts overeating, you know, this will not change reality and only the truth will set me free. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Irini. And, and Lonnie B. Hi, this is Lonnie P. As in, I'm in Florida, recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I, too, want to talk about the manifestations of self. You know, I didn't understand that at all when I first came into program. You know, I thought everything that I was doing was to take care of me, and these are things that I needed to do. So it wasn't until I started this fact-finding, fact-facing inventory that I began to peel away those layers of the onion to even begin to understand what they meant by that, you know. So today I know it is that when I'm I'm in self-pity, you know, when I'm self-righteous, when I'm self-seeking or self-centered, you're selfish, and and I had to look up all those definitions because I didn't quite even understand the difference between them, you know, the difference between selfish or self-centered and self-seeking, you know, but again, so with my little dictionary and doing this fact-finding and fact-facing mission, it's like I, I've come to see that, you know, it, you know, before I started this inventory, how I used to point my fingers outward and blame everybody for everything that was going on in my life. You know, when I did my inventory, I I started to see the three fingers that were pointing back at me, you know, where I was to blame in all of this, you know, and I got to start to see the manifestations of self, you know, me wanting it, you know, my way in my time, you know, me wanting things to be different than they are, you know, and I still look at these things every single day, you know, when I do a 10 step or, you know, when I'm doing an 11 step at night. Um, and, and this continues to open my eyes, you know, and I see my initial reactions to things. And I get to take a step back and take a look at self. And I get to let it go and, and turn it over to my higher power. So this program, it's like, yeah, we're powerless. We're powerless. I'm powerless over, you know, compulsive overeating and, you know, people, places, and things. And, the, I, you know, and I get that power to know and do the next right thing for my higher power. So, you know, I'm glad to be able to see the manifestations of self today so that I can let that go and, and I can be a student of God. Um, and with that, I pass. Thanks so much for letting me share today. 
Yes, thank you, Lonnie P. And let's go ahead and go on to the next paragraph. Angela D., I will ask Angela D. to begin reading Resentment is the Number One Offender. Yes, Sally, can you hear me? I can. Go right ahead, Angela. Okay, Angela D. here. I am... I am a newly recovered compulsive overeater and with so much gratitude that I am into this program. I thank you, God. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stems all forms of spiritual disease. For we have not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out our mentally and physically. Yes, in dealing with resentment, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, Our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burned up. Thank you. Okay, resentments. Thank God I have a place to put my resentments today. All my life, I thought it was okay to keep thinking over and over and over again about the people that were hurting me. Okay, I thought that was okay. I thought, well, I have a right to talk about those people. I have a right to be resentful. Uh Uh-uh. When when God showed me this program, my higher power, which I want to call God, he showed me that, Angela, there is something you have to do here. You have to write this down. You have to join the people that know all about resentments and what they did with it. Yes, and that is the 12-step program. So I have to write down these things. Why? Because I'm spiritually sick, and I need a power greater than myself. These things must be written down. These things have to have a cause, and I go into the columns, and I face all of them. I write them down. I give them to my sponsor, which I am so grateful for. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, yes, all that was down because I kept looking at the other person and blaming the other person for my life. Today, I don't have to do that. Today, I am rejoicing in the fact that I can put it on paper, that I don't have to think about it constantly all day long. I can turn it over to my higher power and write it down every single day. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Angela. Would anyone else like to share? Okay, now listen, listen, hold on, everybody, hold on. I did hear Lorna S. and I did hear Matt. So stop. Renata. Melissa C. Ken. And do. Do I heard you? Okay, I heard Lorna S. Matt. I heard Renata. I heard Melissa C. I heard Kim. I heard Janice. Okay, I'm going to stop here. I mean, there are lots of names here. Um. <laughs> I'm going to take a breath here and let's go ahead and get started with Lorna S. and Matt and Renata okay. and Melissa. 
Bone Kimchi. Then I know there was a, I think it was Denise. I'm not sure, but Janice, I heard you. Myself on the end of this line. Natalie, you're coming over a little garbled. I'm sorry to cut in on you like that, but you're coming over a little garbled. I can hear you somewhat, not all the time. Sorry. Okay, I'm so sorry. That's you're you're hearing me garbled. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't want to mention that. Thank you. Let me go ahead and get started and hear Lorna ask, and she's not coming out for. Is that Lauren S? Lauren S. If I'm incorrect, is that Lorna S? Okay. Let's go ahead and have Matt. Matt, can you go ahead? Can you hear me? Matt? <laughs> Sorry, this is Lauren S., but it's... Lauren, go ahead. Okay, sorry, Matt, that was selfish of me, and we are learning about <laughs> selfishness currently. Um, resentment kills more than any other quality. That's my experience. In my case, resentment blurs the lines of my reality more than any emotional or mind-altering substance I've ever taken. Where when I'm resentful at somebody, they can't do anything right. I I put a new pair of glasses on, and I'm blocked from that. And when I'm blocked from God's kids, I'm blocked from God, no matter what. I, I can't be connected and helpful to God's kids when I have a resentment. Clearing up resentments for me meant writing them out on paper with pencil, not typing, um, doing it thoroughly, but not so much that I was on my fourth step for longer than two and a half weeks. Um, I don't know if I could have stayed sober doing a, a fourth step for longer than that time. <laughs> I needed to get it cleared away on paper and cleared away in my fifth step. It uh-huh. meant looking at every area of self that was affected, the pride, the ambition, the self-esteem, the personal sexuation, the pocketbook, every area of self. And then looking at the realization, what is my part, which is my entire part. The entire part is mine. What's my part means? 100% of this is Lauren's part and what, and do I realize that perhaps this person is just not having a good spiritual hair day? And if I was in their, if I was in their shoes, I would do the exact same thing. Um, and then it meant looking at you know, my selfishness, my self-seeking, my dishonesty, my fear. So I, this is an opinion, so there's the red flag. It's an opinion. I almost consent when somebody has done a fourth step thoroughly, a thorough fourth step from the book, because it changes you. You never can get back from that. It changes you as a person. If you're like me, you no longer have the ability to blame others and judge them without feeling guilty about it. it. It changes you as a person. So it's an amazing tool 
to grow and cast out all those old, old attitudes. Time. That'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren S. And Matt, it's your turn. Thank you very much, Sally, for your service. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Matt M., the compulsive over here from New Jersey on the East Coast. Uh, no wonder a lot of people want to speak on this paragraph because this is really the heart and soul of it. And for myself, because I mean, is never want to send it. I was the ha, jolly, happy fat guy on the outside. And inside, I, I hated your guts because you were better than me. You, you had what I wanted. You all looked better than me. You all looked better than me. And you were all much more intelligent than me. You know, me, me, me. You were all, I was basically either the worst or the best in my head. Um, I was spiritually sick. Mentally, physically, oh, absolutely. <laughs> mentally ill because um, I didn't know any better than this. I, I, it was what I grew up with. I grew up with a sick mind. So I didn't know any, uh, a, a better way. I was always trying to find the easier, softer way, which but we, we all know that is not for myself. I know that um, it wasn't the right way to go. And I'm very grateful I found this program because it did save my life. The seed was planted um, back in early 2007 before I left my, my job to go on disability. And my I call my LA angel. Never saw her again after I left that job, you know. And I, I know a lot of people spoke about this. That said, they have that LA angel. They never saw them again. And um, I believe my higher power, who I call God, um, put uh, was put put her in my life for a reason. Uh, I used to love. Now that I'm in the program, I used to realize. I heard a phrase that used to people tell me um, that was, "I cannot make myself better at the expense of someone else." You know, um, I had an issue right now with the person who visited me, and I don't want to see them anymore. But I can't just go out and tell them, listen, I can't see you anymore. You're not, it's not working. You know, it's not working out. I don't like you. You know, I'm, I'm praying to my higher power to give me an op- opportunity to say the right words without being resen- um, offensive or hurtful. Because then I would have to put them on my uh, harms list. And I'm doing that first step right now. And I'd rather not make the list any longer than it has to be. <laughs> it's long enough. Um, I realized just the short time that I've been working the program again, really the way it's supposed to be working since November, my life has become so much more better. And I've had a lot of upheaval since then. Got rid of my vehicle. I don't drive. And I also, I'm very, I mean, I have health issues and I'm moving. So I'm able to deal with all these situations because I have this program. And I don't, I'm not getting resentful at the fact that my life has changed so much. I'm just going with the flow, which is if you would have, I got the same mat seven years ago, I would have been like a nervous wreck, so anxious, bitter. It's just like, why is this happening to me? Why am I going to do this all of a sudden so quickly? Oh, my God. It, it's just grateful that I've changed and I'm able to be the person I know my higher power wants me to be uh, one day at a time. And I'm going to deal with myself one day at a time, too. So I only have the next 24 hours ahead of me, and that's all I have. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And go ahead, Renata. Thank you, Sally. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Composed for Vader in New York. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. Uh, from it stands all forms of spiritual disease. And, uh, you know, what is a resentment, first of all? You know, resentment means to refill. So whenever something happens to me and I keep playing the same thing over and over and over in my head. You know, I had no idea that I had a lot of resentment. At first, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'll have like three or four, like the obvious ones, right? My family, whatever. And then when I set them on paper, you know, I had over 150 resentments. 
And so, you know, how, how can I be open to anything or how can I be, um, you know, how can I think of anything else if I'm walking around carrying over 150 resentments? If, you know, I am condemning everyone that crossed my path, if I'm looking at their flaws and what they're doing wrong, you know, um, whenever I didn't get things my way, whenever self was not satisfied, you know, then that created anger for me, hurt, bitterness, you know, made me upset. And I would play it over and over and over in my head. And every time I played that resentment in my head, I was a little bit more of a victim, and the person that did me wrong was a little bit more guilty of whatever they did. And, you know, all the hurt and pain that that resentment created for me at first, you know, it it, it kept being repeated. And so even if, you know, because there, there are resentments that, yes, people did cause harm to me too, but, you know, all that hurt that I felt when I felt the resentment, it kept coming back because I kept reliving it. And so, you know, the honesty required of me here is that, you know, for the first time in my life, I need to take an inventory of myself, of my life, what was my part in it. And, and you know, to my surprise, I did have a part in every single resentment, you know. And um, for me, you know, resentment is when I can't have any, I can't have acceptance of the things not going my way, you know, and my basic instincts are threatened. And uh, at least in my head they are, you know, and, and then I react to it. And so, you know, in step four, I started to learn that, you know, what were the patterns that made me spiritually sick? You know, the patterns that I exhibited when I was acting on self-will, you know, and then putting resentments on paper was the first action towards changing. You know, I needed to get honest enough to look at the common thing in all the resentments. And the common thing in all my resentments was me. You know, I was always there playing a part. Uh, that's all I want to share. Thanks. Thanks, Renata. Melissa C., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Melissa C., a compulsive overeater, recovered in New York. And, um, you know, when I hold on to my resentments, I kind of, it was at one time, it, strangely enough, I felt comfort in it. I would have this laundry list of ways that you wronged me, that life wronged me, and um, I could take it out again and again at any given moment and um, revisit it. And, you know, that's really not being present. <laughs> that's living in the past. You know, I was revisiting things that no longer were happening, Um and, and so, and I was not living in acceptance. You know, we say that acceptance prayer, and that acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. And when I'm harboring resentment, I am the opposite of acceptance. And, um, you know, and those, I heard somebody had told me early on when I was sharing, you know, in my recovery, all the ways that life had screwed me and people had hurt me. And, you know, I was so invested in being the martyr. Um, you know, I was really good at taking the temperature of the room, giving everybody what they wanted or what I thought they wanted. And then I was pissed off at them because um, no one acknowledged me enough. No one gave me what I wanted. Um, 
And yet I was continuing to do these things over and over again. And that was my part. You know, I wasn't being so wonderfully good and loving for the sake of being wonderfully good and loving. I was doing it because I was planning on getting something in return. I was doing it with selfish motives. And um, and that was like, uh, oh, oops. Um, you know, and then that the resentment that I was hanging on to, I could be as right as I want to be, but you can't be right and be happy. You know, at some point you have to cease needing to be right in order to be a happy person. And, you know, someone has said to me, it's resentment is um, the poison I pour for you and drink myself. And boy, was I drinking that poison. Um, when I just began to have acceptance, acceptance for all situations, all people, um, my resentment, you know, started to dissipate. And I could take stock of my part. Um, that is surely the only thing that I can change. And I can't undo the past. I can be the best that I can be today and be of loving service. And hanging on to ways that I've been wrong certainly blocks me from the sunlight of spirit. And i um, so glad I don't feel blocked today with that past. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. And Kim G., it's your turn. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I'm going to zone in this sentence. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. I really want to stress that because I've heard, you know, I had a lot of conversations recently with people that are kind of warping this. They're kind of using this as a justification that, well, see, that means I just have to work the steps and eventually I'll get abstinent. And they're using this as a justification. I'm going to straighten out physically, meaning I'll get abstinent, when the spiritual malady is overcome, which means the steps. And that is not what this is saying at all. We have to remember we have this twofold illness, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. So we have to put the food down first, and then we're at the mercy of the mental condition. And we do the steps, and then after the steps are done, we overcome and straighten out mentally and physically, meaning we can get through the steps in a month, in six weeks, in eight weeks. If we have 100 pounds to lose, we're not going to lose the weight in that time, so it's going to take us a while to straighten out physically. I have a couple of recovered fellows in my life that are going through a lot of dental work three years, three or four years after being abstinent because of all the damage they did with their bulimia and with, and with their compulsive overeating. You know, we're going to straighten out physically, meaning we're going to blood pressure is going to get better. You know, maybe our diabetes isn't going to be as severe. But it doesn't mean that we, we do the steps and then get abstinent. And as our disease is progressive, so is our recovery. So we get recovered, we get this, we get this um, spiritual awakening, and everyone thinks everything should be hunky-dory. You know, world should, you know, give us accolades. But the fact is we're going to have to grow in understanding and effectiveness. We're going to be doing 10 and 11. We're going to be coming closer for a higher power. We're going to intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us in a gradual way. The person that I am today, four years after my spiritual experience, is a lot different than I was one month one year, two years away from my spiritual experience. So the order is we have to put the food down first. We are then subject to the, men, the mental obsession, which means we have to work the, our, the, the uh, spiritual program. The other way I hear this worked is they say they have a threefold illness, spiritual, mental, and physical. And the big book is clear that we have a twofold illness, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. Our solution is spiritual. 
And what saying that the threefold illness did for me personally was it gave me the excuse that I could work on the spiritual part or not. I could work on the physical part or not. The solution is spiritual. So we, I think of it this way. If I have diabetes, that's the diagnosis. But my symptoms are high blood sugar, thirst, or whatever those symptoms are. So, yes, I have a spiritual malady that manifests physically and mentally. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ken. Do it's your turn. Good morning. Uh, this is Du L, uh, Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Thank you so much for letting me share on this paragraph. Um, this paragraph is one of the most misunderstood paragraphs in the big book. And um, I wanted to cover that section where it says, um, where bodily and mentally we've been sick, but spiritually we've been sick uh, too. And when, when we straighten out um, um, spiritually, I, I mean, I'm sorry, when we overcome the spiritual malady, we straighten out mentally and physically. And what, what I wanted to share on that is um, give an analogy of what that means. Um, because the spiritual malady is actually, from what we cover in the big book, is the disconnect with God. That is our spiritual malady. And it manifests, as Kim shared a little bit, it manifests in, in a physical and a mental way. And one of the analogies that I always bring up with this is the fact that if I have the flu, that is the problem. It's one whole problem. And with the flu, I have a virus, and, and it's internal. And I can't see that virus unless I go to the doctor and have some exams done. The manifestation of that virus manifests in aching, coughing, sneezing, uh, runny nose. Those are the manifestations. So how can I apply this concept to what we're reading here? Well, the virus would be equal to the disconnect with God. The manifestation of the symptoms is the physical and mental. Now, what is the antibiotic that I'm going to use in order to arrest that disease, that virus in, inside my body? Well, it's called the 12 steps. The 12 steps is the antibiotic that connects me to that power greater than myself. And so it, when, once the virus is addressed, then the symptoms go away. You know, that's how it works. And so I can't say that, well, I have the flu, so I, I have three illnesses. I have uh, the virus, and I have the symptoms, and, and I have the flu. And those are three different illnesses. Um, no, that's not what it's saying. It's saying I have one common problem, one flu, okay, and it manifests in different forms. And so when I address that disease, when I address the problem, with the solution, which is the antibiotic, the 12 steps, when I implement that, and that's my medication, then I straighten out mentally and physically. The symptoms are gone. The flu, the aching, coughing, aching, sneezing, runny nose, go away, including the virus, which is the disconnect with God. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, do. And Janice, I think it's Janice B. I could be wrong. Sally, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. This is Janice P. Janice P. Thank you, Janice. 
And I just want to say thank you so much, Sally. You are doing a fabulous job. I feel like you get a million voices all, all at once. So thank you for that. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Janice P., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I I am uh, I am very very grateful to get to share a little bit on this. You know this this resentment is the number one offender. I don't know about you, but that was a crushing blow to hear that resentments my resentments were going to be my number one offender. It was what tied me tightly to my disease because I discovered. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else, it says. And from it stem all forms of spiritual disease. You know, that that spiritual sickness that I had, that I've been hearing people talk so eloquently here this morning about, you know, the, the, the um, obsession, you know, the obsession of the mind that once the food is down, you know, that was my only problem. Well, hallelujah, I'd be on my way. But once the food was down, then the greater aspect of this disease, my thinking was full-blown, was full-blown. And now I needed that personality change, that personality change sufficient to bring about this spiritual awakening, this spiritual recovery. And then it asks me to look at resentment. And the resentment, it says, we put down on paper. But then what does it ask me to do? We asked ourselves why we were angry. Because I don't know about you, but I started looking at all those resentments. And yes, I was angry. I didn't think of myself as an angry person, but I was. But I began to see by talking with other people who had taken this path ahead of me that it looked like anger but underneath was a hundred forms of fear. What looked like anger was really because I was threatened. Something I had was going to be taken away from me or something I wanted, I wasn't going to get. So at every turn, every time I was thwarted, I was angry, but really I was fearful. And it says that we're driven by a hundred forms of fear. And that was the greatest gift, was to look at the resentments and how they blocked me because I thought it was anger, but all along it was fear. And the only thing that's ever helped me with that fear has been the grace of God. But I needed to have that unblocked. I needed those moments of clarity that helped me to see what was really going on there. Because I don't know about you, but I was a producer of confusion. You know, people did not know what was, you know, was mama going to be happy today or was she not? Or if I was threatened, watch out. And I could act so nice, but really I wanted to get my way. You know, I could be so nice, gracious, but underneath I was controlling And I was trying to get my way. And if I couldn't get my way, I was resentful. And that kept me tied up in knots all the time. All the time. Disconnected from the ways of love, which was what I really wanted more than anything. 
time, but I didn't know how to get there until the 12 steps. So thank you so much. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice P. I'm going to jump in here for a moment. And um, pretty much uh, so much has been said that's um, extremely valuable from all of these shares. Um, I wanted to, uh, it's Sally A. in South Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And let me just say that, um, just as was just said, resentment. It says that resentment is the number one offender. And then along down the page here, it talks about our anger, why we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. And so the truth of the matter is that resentments come from our anger, and our anger comes from our fear. We were drowning in our fear. And what were we afraid of? We were afraid of losing something that we had or afraid of get, not getting something that we felt we had a right to get. That's what we were afraid of. So when it talks about driven by a hundred forms of fear, this is very directly connected to our resentments because I really do believe that my resentments, every one of my resentments was connected to a fear down deep that I was going to lose something that I had or that I wasn't going to get something that I felt I had a right to get. And, um, and I think it's really a powerful thing here in this paragraph that we see the, the complexity of our illness. Um, the 12 and 12 on page 44 tells us at the very bottom of the page that we had this perverse soul sickness. But we understand that we have this physical allergy of our body we understand that we have this, this mental aspect of our disease, these marbles rolling around in our brain, and these were the resentments tied to anger, tied to fear that were rolling around, that were tripping us, and we we're so exhausted that we just, I don't know about you, but I just wanted to get drunk. I just wanted to numb myself from the pain of what was going on in my brain. And um, that coupled with the physical allergy of my body driving me with the, the physical cravings of my body kept me a very sick person. And when it talks about this spiritual malady for myself, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. I would just say that for myself, I was always trying to fix everything. I was trying to fix me to just get to the root of why was I in so much pain. Because when I put the food down, that's when I really could see how much pain I was in and how, how soul sick I really was and that my reliance was, it was ever, I was trying to fix it, and that was my self-reliance as opposed to my turning to a higher power. And so it's complex, but I hope that it's helpful. And with that, I'm going to pass, and we have really run out of time this morning and so I'm going to say thank you, everyone, for your shares and ask Elaine B., would you read for us page 164, and then we'll do our serenity prayer. Elaine B., sorry, Sally, I thought I was unmuted. Hi, this is Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts. Thanks for your service, Sally, and all the great shares today. It was a fabulous meeting. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. 
The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Commit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.